You're listening to the Vineyard Church's UK and Ireland podcast. The following talk was taken from our youth festival, Dreaming the Impossible, over the summer. Tickets for DTI 2023 are now available to buy, and you can either pay for the full ticket price up front or pay it in six instalments, helping to spread out the cost. Just head to dreamingtheimpossible.org to find out more. Good evening, brothers and sisters. How are we doing? We're good. I'm feeling great. I've got to be honest with you. DTI 2022, it's been incredible. I'm a bit sad, a bit emotional that it's the last day, but you know, it's, it's the way it's got to go. I hope you've had a good time because I've had an absolute blast. I've loved the crazy fun, but if I'm completely honest with you, the favorite thing, my favorite thing of this week has just been wandering around and just looking at people's faces as they've been experiencing the living God, the, the joy, the passion, the, the peace. It's just been absolutely amazing. No filters, no worrying about how many views you're getting or anything like that. It's just, it's just so real. But the question for tonight is, what happens next? Because if we believe in a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, it means that he's not just like that at DTI, he's also like that when we go home. So what happens next? What happens tomorrow? What happens the day after tomorrow? And my hope for myself, as well as for all of us in the room tonight, is that when we come back to DTI next year, we're closer to God than we are right now. We're spiritually, that's right, we're spiritually more mature. We've taken steps towards God. Yes, absolutely, you can applaud it because that is my prayer for us in this place. That is my prayer for us in this place. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at some verses in the Bible that talk about how we can keep the faith that we've got and how we can take steps to move towards God We're looking in the book of Hebrews. It's in the New Testament, right towards the end of the Bible. We're looking in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. They say this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's where we're going to be this evening. Now, these verses give us an image, a picture of living our life of faith like a running race. And before we get into the verses, we need to know what sort of race we're talking about here, okay? Now, the word perseverance means to keep going. That means that the race of faith that we're talking about here is not like this guy. Have a look at the screens. Oh, no, hold on. Other one, first one. First one. There it is. Who's this guy? The guy at the front. Of course it's Usain Bolt. We know him, we know him. He's one of the greatest athletes of all time. Can anyone do the the Usain Bolt pose? You remember? Oh, yeah, look at that. Straight, which way are we going? We're going, yeah, buddy, that's it. And he's Jamaican, being half Jamaican, I feel like we've got a bit of a connection. I can't really, yes, yes, that's it, that's it. Now, the word perseverance means we're not talking about that guy, all right? Instead, we're talking about the guy that came up first, the other guy. Get that one up. 
There it is. Anyone know who this is? Oh, yeah, that's it, that's it. If you don't know who this guy is, his name's Haile Gabrasselassie. He's one of the most famous Ethiopian long-distance runners ever. He is a two-time gold-winning Olympic champion in the 10,000-meter race, and he also set a world record beating time running the marathon back in 2007 in Berlin. It's been beaten now, but back in the day, it was a world record. That basically means that this guy, the guy that was on the screen before, he can just keep running and running and running, and that is what a life of faith is all about. And if we're gonna go the distance, if we're gonna do a marathon and not a sprint, we need some help, which is why we look in this book. Now, the verses that I read out, they start with a verse that's very common in the Bible, it's, it's therefore. Now, if you ever see the word therefore in the Bible ahead of a piece of scripture, it means that whatever you're about to read is based on what came before it. All right? And in this case, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that means that we need to know who these witnesses are. Now, a witness can be someone who's seen something, just like you're witnessing me doing this talk right now. Sometimes people say, I witnessed a crime. Fun fact, I witnessed one of the DTI team commit a crime. Who do you reckon? How did you know? How did you know? I was genuinely interested to see what they were going to say. I thought they'd go Zeke. It was Susie. I was in the passenger seat of her car. She got pulled over by the police. She even got a fine. <gasps> but before we get too excited, before we get too excited, it was just a broken headlight. She didn't know it was broken. She got a warning, and then she went to go and fix it, so there was no jail time. So we're all okay. We're all okay. Yes, that's it. That's it. Freedom. But a witness can also be someone whose evidence or proof of something. Like if I say to you tonight, if I say, Jesus is Lord, can I get a witness? Yeah. And if someone said, amen, I'd say, right, stand up, brother, stand up, sister, tell us about Jesus and what he's done in your life. They would be a witness. They'd be evidence or proof of what Jesus has done. Jesus being Lord of their life. And in this case, those are the sorts of witnesses that we're talking about. We sometimes call them heroes of the faith, people who teach us what it is to have a life of faith. People like Moses and Abraham and Noah, the proper big dogs. You don't need me to list them because all you do, you go to Hebrews 12, you go back one and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, they're all there. They're all there. Or you go back even further to the Old Testament and you keep going and keep going and you can read all their stories in detail. In fact, what happens next, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus and you haven't read those stories before, perhaps that's something for you to reflect on. But if I think about heroes of the faith and people that have impacted my life from the Bible, I think about David. David, the shepherd boy who was nothing, but God chose him because of his heart. David, who, what did David do? He slayed, of course, of course, of course, Goliath, of course. Nice. He slayed Goliath. We know that. But what we sometimes forget is that David is also the one who had to run away from the kingdom because the king was so jealous of him that he had to flee because the king was going to try and kill him. He had to live out in caves in fear. Now, that same David gives me inspiration when I'm in dark times. And if I think of dark times in my life, I think of one particular time when I was studying for my master's degree. Now, has anyone here recently done their GCSEs or A-levels? Respect that, respect that, respect. Is anyone getting ready to take their GCSEs or A-levels? Yes, yes, yes. Now, 
you probably know something about exam stress, all right? Now, at that time in my life, I was stressed, okay? It was my mid-year exams. If you think the GCSEs and A-levels are hard, yes, they are. Master's degrees are like even worse because not only are they really, really hard, but you also don't have a mock in exams. You don't have any practice exams. You just literally have to, to, to go in there and do it first time, and that's, that's all you've got. Now, it was January. I had my mid-year exams, and I was basically just a workaholic. I was working every day, most evenings, during the Christmas period before that. I worked every single day apart from Christmas Day and Boxing Day, and I was super, super stressed. I, have you ever had that feeling where, like, your head, it feels like your head's so full that you can't get anything else inside it? Have you ever had that feeling? I know that some people have had that feeling for sure. Well, I had that feeling, and it got to the point where I couldn't, I could barely sleep, because at nighttime, all I could do was just think over and over and over again of all the names of the studies that I need to know and all the dates, and I was absolutely shattered. I was so tired. And I got in there on my first exam, I turned over the paper, looked down at the question, and mine went blank. It was like my brain had shut down, and I, I couldn't physically write anything. I basically just did my best and then just left. I can still remember walking home and I just felt, I felt tired and stressed and ashamed, but also just gutted because I'd put so much effort in and that was my one shot and it was gone. And it's at times like that that I remember David. If you open up your Bible around the middle, you see the Psalms. David wrote so many of those Psalms, songs and poems that are just real and raw, crying out to God. I'm just going to read for a moment Psalm 69 in the message translation. It says this, God, God, save me. I'm in over my head, quicksand under me, swamp water over me. I'm going down for the third time. I'm hoarse from calling for help, bleary eyed, searching the sky for God. David is crying out to God so much that his throat is sore. Something that I know about right now. He's He's calling out to God. He's looking to the sky for help. And there are tears in his eyes. And that's exactly what I did after that exam. I went home. I got down on my living room floor. I was on my knees. There were tears in my eyes. And I was calling out to God for help, crying out for help. And he helped me. He, just like David, he didn't take away my problems. He didn't change my life and change the grade on the piece of paper. But his Holy Spirit gave me peace and comfort. And just like Zeke said a couple of days ago when he was talking about the throne, my education was on the throne and God switched that over. He put himself back on the throne. I didn't need a distinction. I needed God's kingdom. And that's exactly what God did for me. I thank you. So if we're going to run this race of faith, the first thing that I recommend to you is surround yourself with this great cloud of witnesses like Noah. What did Noah do? He built the ark, that's right, in the middle of a desert, yeah, because God told him that a storm was coming. We've got Abraham who changed his entire life around because of what God said, even though he was comfortable and successful and he had loads of cash. Then there's Sarah who was way too old to have a baby, but God gave her a baby because she believed in the promise that came from Abraham. These people in the Bible, they inspire us, they motivate us, and they teach us lessons about how to live this life of faith. So what happens next? Get to know these witnesses. The only way to do that is get to know this book. If you're a reader, 
get reading. If you're not a reader, get listening. There are loads of audio and visual versions out there that are incredible. If you don't understand it, get together with people around you and try and understand it together. If there aren't people in your youth group who are the same age as you and that you're friends with, get together via using your smartphone. Get together with people that understand it really well. Find people who are more experienced than you and understand it together. If you do not have, if you do not have an app called Uversion, other, other versions are available, but if you do not have an app called Uversion, download it on your phone tonight. We've got free DTI reading plans, all that stuff. It's all there for you. So what happens next? Surround yourself with this great cloud of witnesses. Let's jump back into these verses. So therefore, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, I've got a couple of helpers who are going to help me out with this bit. It was going to be a couple of members of the sports team, but I realized I didn't actually manage to chat with them before the meeting, which was a shame. But I have enlisted the help of a couple of youth leaders now. Hopefully, oh, they're prepped and ready to go. Just, just, just crouch down and chill. I'm, I'm going to come back to you in a second. Good work, good work, good work. Now, now, now. If we read these verses, we see that there are things that can hinder us. And if something hinders you, it means it slows you down. It makes things difficult, all right? Now, if you've ever watched a marathon on TV, I don't know if you have, but sometimes you see people dressed up like this. The slide came up earlier. There we go. Check out this guy on the left. Can you see what he is? Rhino. Now, it looks great. I mean, I, I, yeah, I've got no idea what the person looks like inside. They look amazing, but my goodness, would you want to run a marathon in that bad boy? Of course, someone's going to be like, yeah, of course I would. No, you would not. No, you would not. It would be hot and sweaty and slow, all right? So there are things that can hinder us in our race of faith. There are also things that entangle. If you get entangled in something, it means that you get twisted or caught up in something. Just like if you're trying to run a marathon race with your shoelaces tied together. Now, whether you're dressed up like a rhino or you've got your shoelaces tied together, you can still complete the race, but it's going to be slow, it's going to be hard, and you're not going to be your best runner that you can be. Now, I've got my two helpers right here. Yes. Give them a round of applause. Now, they're both young, fit, and healthy but one of them has their shoelaces tied together. And we're going to see what happens when they have a little race. They're going, to, they're going to run up along here, along the middle of the auditorium, and then back down the side. Are you guys ready? Let's count them down. Three, two, one, go. Yes. Look at this. Come on. Come on now. Come on. Look at that. OK, OK. He's coming into land, coming into land, coming into land. That's right. Give him a round of applause. Give him a round of applause. Don't fall over. Yes. Let's give our helpers one more round of applause. Now, let's be honest. The guy with the shoelaces tied didn't stand a chance. All right? I mean, he did a very, very good effort. He still completed the race, but he did not stand a chance. And sin is a bit like that. Sin slows us down. It stops us in our race of faith heading towards God. Now, right now, you might be thinking at DTI, Ben. Ben, I'm a new creation, baby. I met the Holy Spirit. I'm never going to sin again. If that's you, no offense, but you're just plain wrong, all right? No disrespect. 
All of us sin all the time. We live in this broken creation. We live in this broken world. And unfortunately, we sin time and time again. But the good news is, and I hope that you've gathered this from this week, it doesn't matter how much we sin, it doesn't matter how much it slows us down, we can still complete that race of faith because of what Jesus has done for us. When Jesus died and rose back to life again, he secured our pathway to finish that race. Even if we're shuffling along with our shoelaces tied together and we kind of fall over the finishing line at the end, but who wants to shuffle? Yeah? You want to shuffle? I mean, I think the verses, I don't think the verses say, let us shuffle with perseverance, the race marked out for us. All right? They say, let us run. Exactly. Friends, let's run. Let's run this race. Let's head towards the Lord our God. Let's run this race of faith with perseverance. Now, my personal journey of faith, I look back on it and I think I've had some incredible times. I gave my life to Jesus with commitment, with, with confidence when I was 16 years old, but I didn't really start thriving in it until I was like sort of 19 or so, late teens, early 20s. And if I look back, there are, there are plenty of things that slowed me down, plenty of things that hindered and entangled me. And I'm not gonna talk about the big things. I'm gonna talk about a couple of small things that I'm hoping will challenge a few people here tonight. The first one was the music that I listened to. Now, I know a lot of you nowadays, you'll walk around with these, with these big headphones on your head or the little ear pods in. I was the same back in the day, but before the times of these, these bad boys, does that, do any youth leaders out there remember mini disc players? Yeah, I had my mini disc player with me all day long. I was listening to that stuff all day long. I was obsessed with hip hop music. I absolutely loved hip hop music. Now, let's be clear. Hip hop music is not sin, okay? Governor B, incredible gig. I was worshiping in that gig and moshing at the same time. We had a great time together, but the music that I listened to back then was just bad news. It was just bad news. It sounded great, but it was bad news. It was full of offensive lyrics about crime and drugs and unhelpful views of sex and guns and all this, all this stuff that was just seeping into my brain. And you might say to yourself, well, Ben, what, what's the big deal? As long as you're not going out shooting people and having sex with random women, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's all good. The problem is, if we look in the Word, we're in the book of Hebrews, if we flip back a little bit to a book called Philippians, when Paul was talking to the church in Philippi, in chapter 4, verse 8, again in the message version, it says this, Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise and not to curse. And over the years, listening to that stuff night and day over and over again, it genuinely had an effect on me. And what it did was it pushed all that praiseworthy stuff out of my mind and it filled my head with other things. I'm just going to give you an example of sex. Now, back in the day, when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I had a high view of sex. I wanted to save sex for the wife that I was going to get married to. And uh, growing up, for most of my life, I was raised in a single parent household. My dad died when I was five, so it was just me, my mum, and my sister. So I had crazy respect for women, a lot of love for women. But the music that I was listening to, the music that I was listening to disrespected women. 
and it didn't show respect to the women in my life. So many of those guys were talking about women like they were disposable sex objects. You're for my pleasure. I do what I want with you. I don't even care what your name is. This is for me. That's not helpful for a young man who wants to save sex for the woman that he wants to get married to. And if I'm honest, it slowed me down in my relationship with God and it slowed me down in the relationship with the woman that I did eventually marry. It's not the end of the world, but it really messed things up for me. So what happens next? Think about what you're listening to and think about what you're filling your head with, please. The second example that I'm going to give super quick, I was going to give a different example, but then I felt like the Lord told me something else yesterday, so I changed it up a little bit. It goes back to the sex thing again. Maybe it was the guy's seminar, I don't know, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about this for a second. That view of sex that I had, even though I wanted to save sex for the woman that I was going to get married to, I had a high view of sex. It was also twisted a bit. My view of sex at that time was that it was like a rule, and everything up to that point was fine. As long as I don't have sex, it's all fair game. It doesn't matter how many girls I'm intimate with physically. It doesn't matter how close I get to the line. As long as I don't have sex, it's all good. That messed me up really, really badly. And it did not do, do anything good for my relationship with God or my relationship with my future wife. Friends, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Thank you. Now, we can receive God's forgiveness right now. Amen. Praise Jesus, we can receive his forgiveness right now. But I'm not just talking about right now. I'm talking about long-term, strategic, marathon-style thinking. What happens next? Get some people around you who you can trust that can challenge you when you're not living a life that is in alignment with what God wants for you. Please, please, please. God is always ready to forgive, but unless we take our sin to him, it just keeps entangling us and it slows us down. Let's get back into the last part of the verse. So we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. We're going to throw off everything that hinders and entangles us. We're going to run this race with perseverance. And we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So how are we going to run this race of faith? What happens next? Now, it may not look like it, but recently I've started going back to the gym. I don't wear this stuff. Don't worry about it. I used to love going to the gym. I was, like, I was in there two, three times a week. Have we got any gym gym? people in the house yet. We've got a few gym people. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, just wait until you have two kids and try and be a teacher at the same time. It doesn't work that well. But after a break of about four years, I started going back to the gym like just once a week. And I go to like a proper gym. It's just packed with all these massive weights and guys walk around like this. And they're about twice the size of me and they've got muscles that you didn't know you had. And I look like you know, like kind of look like this when I'm around them, you know. Um, but who cares? I don't care because I love it. I have a great time going to the gym. But if I'm honest, the first time I went back to the gym after four years, I wasn't really loving it that much, right? I'm a science teacher and I work in a block that you have to, yes, science teachers, big up science. Um, you have to walk these stairs up to the top floor. And I was trying to walk up these stairs after going to the gym. And it was like, 
like this. And, I, and when I sit down, what I often like to do is I naturally, I just, am I allowed to sit on this? Sorry, Dan. Um, I'll cross my legs over like that, naturally. And what I had to do was I was like, there we go, now we're chilling, like writing on the board like this. It was, uh, it was embarrassing. Um, have we got any, we've got, of course, we've got sports people in the house. We've got footballers, we've got basketballers, we've got volleyballers, we've got dodgeballers. Have you ever had a time, have you ever had a time when you just didn't want to go to practice? Have you ever had a time, yes, have you ever had a time where maybe someone at home's like, right, it's time to go, or have you got your football shoes or whatever it is, and you're like, uh, yeah, sure, yeah, fine, yeah, whatever, it's fine, it's fine. What do we do in those moments when we're in pain, we're weak, and we're hurting, and we're tired, and we can't be bothered? What do we do? We fix our eyes on the ultimate goal. You think to yourself, I play sport because I love it. I go to the gym because I love it. It makes me feel good. It makes me look better. It makes me healthier physically, mentally. It's all good stuff. And it's exactly the same with this race of faith. If we're going to go the distance, if we're going to get through the pain as well as the boredom, we need to fix our eyes on an ultimate goal. Jesus, who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Jesus, who when he was alive, he said to the people around him, I'm going to die, and then three days later, I'm going to be raised back to life again. And then when he did it, if you ever find someone that says, I'm going to die, and then three days later, I'm going to come back to life, and they actually do it, you need to listen to what they say. Um, Jesus did it. So everyone was like, right, okay, yeah, we better listen to what this guy says. He started our faith. He kicked off the Christian faith. He was the starter. He was the pioneer. But the Bible also tells us that one day he'll come back down from the right hand of the throne of God, because that's where he is right now. He's going to come back down to earth and everything will be made perfect. Everything will be made complete. Everything will be made just like it was supposed to be. No more tears, no more pain, no more sadness, no more death. He is the starter, the pioneer, but he's also the perfecter of our faith. And if we fix our eyes on him, he helps us keep going. Just like in a marathon, there are ups and there are downs. Sometimes you're cruising downhill, the weather's good, the sun's in your face, and it barely feels like you're putting any effort in. And then sometimes you're trudging up the hill, the wind and rain are in your face, your muscles are screaming for you to stop. And there are some times where it's just kind of boring. And you can't be bothered. But if you fix your eyes on Jesus, you know where you are and you know where you're going. Now, if there's anyone out there who does not have a saving faith in Jesus Christ yet, God loves you. And he is desperate to have a relationship with you. We've heard about the prodigal son. You are, he wants to have that relationship with you. But for those of us who have a saving faith in Jesus Christ, we know God's love right here and right now. But not only do we know that we've got God's love right here, right now, we also know that God's love is a forever love. It's an eternal love. And we know that we are heading in the direction of Jesus completing everything and making our relationship with God perfect. We know where we are in God's love and we know where we're going towards closer relationship with God. And when you know where you are in the hard times and the boring times and you know where you're going, it makes it easier to keep going, which is essential because the Bible tells us that in this life, we will have trouble. So what happens next? We fix our eyes on Jesus. 
But how do we do this practically? This is, this is the last thing I'm going to say. What happens next? I think fixing our eyes on Jesus, there's a head part and there's a heart part. The head part is a bit like what we were talking about before. We were talking about that great cloud of witnesses. We need to get to know them and we need to get to know the real Jesus from the Bible. And when you get to know the real Jesus from the Bible, it affects your heart. When I know more about something and I understand more about something, I get more passionate about something. But that's not just it. It's not just the head affecting the heart. There's also something that goes directly to your heart. And that is spending time in the Lord's presence, experiencing the Holy Spirit. Now, this looks different for different people, but we know already this week, how do we spend time in God's presence? There are a number of things we can do. Singing worship songs, is amazing. We've experienced that this week. It doesn't need to be massive DTI worship. I go to a small church just down the road from me and we share worship times that are powerful and intimate where the Holy Spirit is present. As well as singing worship songs, peace and quiet are amazing, especially when we link them up with prayer. Every morning before I go to work, I like to put my alarm on early. Before the kids get up, I go downstairs, have a cup of tea, sit where I can see the garden, and I just wait and listen. Sometimes I'll talk to God. Sometimes I'll read his word. But I wait for his presence to give me what I need for the day. And let's not forget, let's not forget throwing off that sin that hinders and entangles. The experience of freedom that we get from forgiveness opens up our heart to receive more of God's love. But the most important thing, please, please, please hear me this right, hear this right now. When it comes to experiencing God's presence is patience and practice. The more space that we give to God, the more he fills it with his presence. And that's exactly what we're going to do in just a moment. We're going to make space and spend time in God's presence. But let's just finish with that, with that question again. What happens next? Do you need to surround yourself with that great cloud of witnesses? Do you need to throw off the sin that hinders and so easily entangles? Do you need to fix your eyes on Jesus? Or are you too busy looking at the person next to you and seeing how fast they're running? Now, I believe that whichever question's right for you, the Holy Spirit will reveal that to you tonight. And I hope that that will guide you on your way in your race of faith. So that when we come back to DTI next year, we're closer to God than we are now.